coming up on The Dr. John Deloney Show. We're fighting a lot, um, especially for only being married for three months. What are y'all fighting about, man? The way we both handle physical touch. My wife is not a physical touch person, and I am. You have a picture of what lifetime commitment looks like, and she has a, she has a different picture of what lifetime commitment romance looks like. What is up? This is John with the Dr. John Deloney Show, the greatest mental health wellness, marriage, parenting, whatever podcast you want to call it. This is the best one ever. I'm so glad that you joined us. Um, if you want to be on the show, go to johndeloney.com slash ask, and you can write us a note in the form and get it to us. And I'm a bit late this morning. I am running around. Two things. One, somebody sent an email this morning um, <laughs> letting me know that I'm a Satanist. Actually, I'm not. I'm a demon working for a Satanist. And um, that I both pander to and hate women and families. So <laughs> that was awesome. And two, um, I've been inspired by the great Dr. Peter Atia's work and his admonishment. Get a colonoscopy. I don't care how old you are. Well, actually, there is an age to it, right? But we wait way, way, way too long. And it's such a simple Colon cancer is such, not simple, but it is a, it's something you can deal with the earlier you catch it. And it's roundly dealt with when it's caught early and it's a mess when it's caught late. So why not? And most of our insurances will do it for free. So I was just, I signed up for one. It's pure screening. There's no, I'm as healthy as a, I hope so, super healthy. But they sent me this form and Here's what I have to eat this week. They call it a low residue diet. Oh, oh, <laughs> when they called me and were giving me like the rundown of the whole thing, they were like, hey, you're gonna have to eat a low residue diet. And I just stopped the nurse. I was like, you're gonna have to stop right there. That's the grossest. Could you have named it something else? The, like the non-explosive, it, just something not low residue. Ugh. Anyway. Glad you're with us, everybody. Let's go to, uh, I'm pretty sure uh, they're going to edit that out. Let's go to Brandon in St. Louis. What's up, Brandon? What's up, Dr. D? How are you doing, man? Hey, I'm doing good. How are you? Good, good, good. What's up, brother? Hey, I just had a quick question for you. Hey, hold um, on. How old are you? I am 22, about to turn 23. All right, man. It's like 10 to 15 years and counting, and it's going to be colonoscopy time. Just go ahead and put that on your calendar, <laughs> yeah. my man. All right, That's so right. That's what's up, right. dude? Hey, um, my wife and I, we've been married for a little over three months now, and I'm just wondering if you have any advice for keeping a healthy and sustainable marriage. And the reason I'm asking is I just feel like we're fighting a lot, mm -hmm. um, especially for only being married for three months, and I'm wanting to, you know, I'm wanting things to change and just wanting to know if you have any advice for being a better husband and um, keeping a better relationship with my wife. What are y'all fighting about, man? Oh man, we, uh, the primary things that we fight about are, uh, like the way we both handle physical touch. My wife is not a physical touch person and I am. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like she's definitely like changed. Um, she tries to, we both try to meet in the middle, but sometimes I just kind of get upset because it's still different. And then, uh, hold on, hold on. Is that, like kinda, tell, tell, let's dig ahead. into that real quick and then we'll go to the next one. Um, yeah. 
you phrased that as you you spoke about that as differences in physical touch needs. Okay, very common in marriages. But the way you ended up, you landed there was you feel deceived. She changed on you. She used to be one way. You thought you were getting one thing, and now you've got something else. Tell me more about that. Yeah, so uh, we, when we were dating, um, I like to hold hands and, you know, like hug kind of in public. And I'm not, I I try not to be cringy or anything, obviously. Okay, good. Don't be gropey. Gary the Groper, don't be that guy. No, 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 not at all. All right. And uh, she was very hesitant to do that. And when closer to the time we were getting married, I asked her if, that was going to change in her marriage because, you know, we were going to make a, a lifetime commitment to each other. And she was telling me that, she, that it was going to be different, um, because, um, we were going to be married and, and it's changed a little bit, but I just, I don't think that it's changed as much as I thought. So I don't think that she's, that she deceived me by any chance, by any, by any means, but it kind of is a little different than what I was thinking. And okay, so you're trying to work through that. You, you just nailed it. You have a picture of what lifetime commitment looks like. Yeah. And it's that where you are high touch, high intimacy, sex all the time. We hold hands in public. She nuzzles the back of my neck. You have all these things that this is what lifetime commitment romance looks like. Fair? Right. And she has a a different picture of what lifetime commitment romance looks like. It might be. You always have food on the table and you always, the trash just magically disappears from inside the house and the bed magically gets made, right? So her picture of lifetime commitment could look very different. And that is the dance of being married, right? Is, yeah. is coming up with a new picture. Okay. So you're, you're on to the next thing. What was the next thing? Yeah. Uh, I would say that the biggest thing uh, is probably, so there's like little things that we could, that may not necessarily need to be a fight at all. But I think they turn into them because we handle, we both have, we both handle angry, um, angerness different. So if I'm angry about something, then you've kind of talked about like you use silence as a weapon. That's how I do it is I'm just kind of turn quiet and kind of shut myself off. Whereas my wife will sort of rage out. And so both are wrong. Uh, and I definitely can do better. No, see, I, don't, of, I, don't, I don't think both are wrong. Both are just, are... Maybe the situation with which they hurt somebody else or when they are applied to somebody else, right? I'm a guy that defaults to silence until a switch flips. That's what my wife calls it. And, um, man, that's a good thing. I don't say stupid things. I've never hit any, you know what I mean? I'm not a violent guy. Um, And so silence is a great default network. It's when I use silence to get my way. That's when I'm I'm misusing or sometimes exploding like, will you please just hear me? Or I'm so frustrated. At um, man, I, I totally get that. It's when it you do that at somebody and you hurt somebody, right? So I don't want to I don't want to lionize those things. Let me let me back up a little bit here. Um, you're 22. How old is she? She is about 21. Y'all are really young. Why'd you get married so young? We've been dating for a few, uh, we've been dating for a little over two years, about almost three. Okay. And we, we waited, we wanted to get married right after we graduated just because living situation and we felt kind of, we, we wanted to get, like we wanted to figure things out as we grew up together, okay. um, instead of trying to do it separately and then coming back, you know, coming together after a while of doing that. Cool. So let me tell you a story. Like, so when I first got married, 
Um, I remember the time my wife, and I don't know if I've mentioned this on the show or not. I, I remember the time my wife was next to me in the bathroom brushing her teeth. And I remember she took her toothbrush and then she put toothpaste on the toothbrush. And because she's a serial killer, she shoved it directly into her mouth and just started brushing her teeth. <laughs> and I remember looking at her and I said, you're doing that wrong. To it, she's wise, and she was like, I don't know, this is a thing that you can do wrong. Um, enlighten me, Obi-Wan. And I said, well, the way you're supposed to do it is you're supposed to put toothpaste on the toothbrush and then put it under the water first and then put it in your mouth, weirdo, mm -hmm. and someone who doesn't hate babies. And so we both walked into our marriage with just a picture of here's how you brush teeth, right? Both of you guys are dealing with, I thought my life was going to continue as is. I was just going to have my husband or wife move into my, my life. Mm. And so what you're here, what you're experiencing, A, super normal. Please don't overreact to it. Okay. You probably feel trapped. You probably feel buried up to your neck, right? Like, what have I done? Have you had those thoughts? Oh, yeah. I, I, I wish you would just come in and say, I, I, we shouldn't have done this, and she would just leave. Like, I wish I could, like, there's just this, I get it. And then if you're like most, not most, like many, um, you have thoughts, and then you get really upset that you had those thoughts. Like, you're some kind of bad guy, right? You're not, okay? Mm -hmm. What you have is two people trying to live lives in their own lane and drag the other person over into their lane because this is the way life is going to be. And what you haven't done yet, and this is what getting married at 28, 29, or 30 will give you, is some tools to say, we are no longer, the lives we led are over. They do not exist anymore. We now have to, in real time, we have to change the oil on this car while it's driving. We got to decide to build something new together. And that's a totally different proposition. And so the picture you had up, up about what, what committed love is going to look like in her picture, does neither of those matter. Yeah. Now what matters is here's a paintbrush, here's a paintbrush, here's some paint, let's paint something new together. Let's figure something else out. And that starts with a conversation that if you can get this down at 22, you will, you will have the greatest marriage of anybody I've ever met. And that is a cyclical, recursive, like back and forth all the time Every two months, every three months, every quarter, we're going to have a conversation where we write it down. What are your needs in this season? We're both trying something new. How can I best meet your needs, even if it's going to make me uncomfortable? And I know it's not very popular right now because it's supposed to be like, no, if it doesn't make you uncomfortable, you go do you, bro. That's all stupid. No relationships last with that sort of infantile mentality. What you need is to say, hey, what can I do? Tell me. Here's what I need. I need physical touch. I need sexual intimacy. I need you to pick up your underwear. I need you to help make the bed. And then here's what you can control in that. You. Mm. So when somebody calls and says, hey, how do I fix my marriage? How do Strengthen yourself. Decide I'm going to be the best freaking husband who's ever lived mm. by meeting needs. And by the way, she's got to participate too. This becomes a very yeah. one-sided trip if she's like, forget you, dude. I'm not, I'm not helping meet your needs, you weirdo. Um, but you have to say these things out loud. And these are best done, like not in a fight. 
the little picky fights you're talking about, those are proxy wars. That's the, that's, you have no margin. You have no emotional margin. You probably aren't sleeping that well. Your diet's probably all gone to hell. You're, you're just, everything's a mess right now. You've been married three months. And then the little, there's just no margin to absorb the, 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 where's the cup? I thought you put it over there and now, now we're in this fight for no reason. Right. So it's, it's, you've heard me say this so many times. I wish I could come up with something new. I was thinking about this morning in the gym. Like I need to come up with some new material, but really what y'all need to do is go decide like, Hey, I want to take you out. We're three months in and we've hit some bumps and some rocks and some, like just some normal growing pains. Let's make something awesome and let's decide what that's going to look like. And then we're going to practice it as we move forward. And by the way, one thing I want to give you, Brandon, every time you get, start to get mad or frustrated or sad or loud or angry, stop. Say, say nothing. Okay. Will you do that? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I'd love to hear you learn at age 22 to say, I'm going to need a minute. I'll be right back. You are, you're fine. I'm, I have, my insides have set on fire and I need a minute. And, um, let me go for a walk real quick. Let me go do 40 pushups outside. Let me go write something down and then I'll be back. Give me an hour. Give me 45 minutes or whatever. And if you can start that right now, creating a gap between your feeling and then what you say or what you do or getting angry, um, you're going to have a lot of peace in your home, especially if your wife joins along with you. Are these things possible? If you, if you took her out and said, hey, can we just like, all right, we're three months in. I'm trying to force you to live in my world and I feel like I'm getting dragged into your world and what we need to do is create our world. What would that even look like? Could you start there? Yeah. Would she be yeah, in on that? I, yeah, she she'd be in. She's she's awesome. Love her okay. to death. Um I'd say that something else that kind of happens too, uh, and she knows this too, and um and, and so I would say that when we get in a fight, it could be something really small. Um when she gets really upset and I, I, you know, have done this before and I try my best not to do it. And I don't think I've done it when we've been married, but she'll lash out and she'll say some like super hateful things mm-hmm. and she'll always apologize after she says them. Give me but, an example. And it, um, so when, uh, she'll get upset about something or we'll get upset. And then one of the things that she does is if it escalates, she'll say something like, I hate you. I hate you. Or we should have never gotten married. And she, she, so she, so a little bit after that, you know, I tell her that really, really makes me mad. And you told me last time you weren't going to say that again, but at the same time, I feel like I really can't, I, I know that she needs to take responsibility for actions as I do too, but she grew up in a home where it was, everybody said that, okay. um, everybody wow. said that they hated each other. Parents didn't show their love to her and it was, it's sad. So I'm trying okay. to keep my, my head up when that stuff happens, but it just makes me really upset. Sure. I divorce is never on the table. Sure. And so, okay, um, let let me hop in here. Here, Here's, here's your path forward. Okay. Number one, she cannot make you mad. That's a choice you make. Okay. Okay. Um, and here's why that's important. It's very important outside of the heat of battle, outside of the heat of a moment. Um, you know what? I'm gonna take back what I said. 
my wife can make me mad. I've given her permission to do that. Um, so I'm going to take that back. You get to choose your response. Very few people. My boss can't make me mad, but I, I just don't give people that. I don't give them that. I've worked for a decade to decouple myself from other people, but I give my wife permission to make me mad. Um, I love her. I, she gets permission to speak into my life. I have the choice on how I respond to that, how I act. Here's an, an important thing y'all need in your marriage is really firm boundaries. So you respond, when she says, I hate you, your response, or I wish we never got married, your response of that really makes me mad. You've just poured gasoline on a fire. Right. Good point. In a non-fight, when you're out to breakfast, you're out to lunch and you're figuring out like, all right, how are we going to build this thing? You each get to make rules. And one of the rules for you, one of your boundaries is, if you say that you hate me, you are telling me that you want to end the conversation and you want me to walk away because that's what I'm choosing to do. I will choose to leave the conversation 100% of the time you tell me you hate me. Every time. And so she's not, um, she will learn in short order that her husband has very strong boundaries and that he will opt out quietly with respect and I'm going to walk away. And by the way, I don't care about her childhood when it comes to that kind of crap. That is infantile acting like a child. She's got to stop that. Okay. It's destructive. And again, I wish she'd gotten a better model when she was a kid. She didn't. And so she's got to stop. And that's got to be, you know, she's going to practice stopping. That's all she knows. She's 21. Um, she's got a lot of maturity that she's got to undergo in the next 5, 10, 15, 20 years. Or in my case, 30, 40, 50 years. Um, that's a no-go. Absolutely no-go. But that starts with you saying, I will not accept you telling me that you hate me. I yeah. will choose to lead that conversation. You see what I'm saying? Your response, Absolutely. any response after that is, oh, I'm choosing to punch back. And why, right? It's, it's all, when she crosses over there, you're fighting a generational fight, right? She's fighting her parents. She's fighting their parents. This has nothing to do with you. Step out. Right. Right. Um, and at some point, if she wants to solve the actual challenge that's before you, if she wants to get closer to you, become more intimate with you, um, she will know I'm not going to throw that grenade because that grenade is her choosing. I don't want you in my, in, in my space anymore. And um, that's her choosing to be a child, a hurtful child. Uh, just aside, listeners, don't say you hate people. Don't say you hate your spouse or your kids. Don't say you want a divorce. Don't say we never should take that crap off the table. You're here. You've done it. You did it. Okay. It's about what are we going to do next? Brandon, I've said this a thousand times. I'll say it a million times more until they cancel the show, which who knows? I feel like I'm always one call, call away. You can't live your life and drag her into yours, and she can't live her life and drag you into hers. You'll have to decide that the lives y'all were living are over. They're over. Who are we going to be together? We can both still have our dreams. We can both still have our goals and our lives, but they are now one. They are now together. And we're going to build something together moving forward. And you each get to state along that journey what your needs are. By the way, your needs will change. And you both get to state what the boundaries are. You can't talk to me like that. I don't like to touch in these situations. Fill in the blank. Every couple makes their own rules as they go but you gotta state them out loud. 
You can do this, Brandon. Call me back in about six months. Let me know how things are going. I'm excited for you guys. We'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. One of the most common questions I get on my show is how do you get something off your chest, right? Like a deep secret that you've never told anyone. Or maybe it's something that happened to you. Or maybe it's something you've done that you're ashamed about or worried because you know bringing this to light is going to cause disruption across your life. All of us, every single one of us, have things both big and small that we need to get off our chest from time to time. And I say this all the time, secrets will kill you. But it's often so hard to know where to start. If you need to get something off your chest and you don't have a safe person to talk to, you may want to try therapy. Therapy is a safe, effective place to get things off your chest, to learn how to say scary and hard things out loud, and figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. I have personally been blessed to have a great therapist who I can talk to and who helps me get those heavy things off my chest. And if you are thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, it's convenient, it's super flexible, and it's suited to fit your schedule, whatever your schedule happens to be. You just fill out a brief questionnaire, you get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no extra money. Listen, it's time to get those secrets off your chest. Start with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Deloney today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Deloney. All right, we're back, Jack. Cracker Jack, let's go to Cynthia and Phoenix. Arizona. What's up, Cynthia? Hello, how you doing? I'm good. How about you? I'm okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> hey, that's as good as we can do sometimes, right? What's up? Yes. So, um, my question is, I'm having trouble with um, my daughter. So, a quick recap. When she was 14, um, she was going on social media, created an Instagram account behind my back. Cause I already told her she could not have any social media. She was using other people's phones, like family members. They thought that she was playing games, but yet she created this account, talking to some stranger boy who I think was like an older man type thing. She was sending inappropriate um, pictures to him. He, they would call each other, talk on the phone. Um, he would never show his face, only she would show her face. So that's why I think it was like an older man. What, what kind of inappropriate so he, photos was she sending? Of herself. Like, like um, topless photos her, her or body, sensual yeah, photos? Yes, top, yes. Okay. As a 14-year-old? So as a 14-year-old, yes. So when um, we caught that, took all the phones, um, told everybody, hey, she cannot go on anybody's phone. If she needs to call a family member, mm -hmm. you have to dial the phone for her. So I thought that was cleared. Now when she's 15, um, COVID happened. They sent um, the children home with laptop computers. She started going on these Zoom chat rooms with, you know, strangers again. So again, took her phone away. I mean, took the computer away. Like we would have to like, okay, if you've got to do schoolwork, you got to be around somebody. So now she's about to be 16. We um, started a new school, a fresh start. We're telling her like, you know what? You cannot be on these um, sites anymore. We're going to give you back your phone because now you're about to be 16. Okay, we're going to start this rush. Four days into school, you're back. I call her, um, I went in her room, and I saw, like, the laptop underneath her, her blanket. When I opened it up, she's chatting again with 
random people saying, I love you. They're a boyfriend and girlfriend. I'm like, they're a boyfriend and girlfriend. I'm like, why are you telling this? I was like, who is this person? I don't know. I just went to this chat room. I'm like, how do you get this chat room? Because when I tell you to open it up, you never know the password, but now all of a sudden you remember it. So I'm just like, I don't know what to do. Like, I don't know why she needs to keep chatting with these boys, these strangers. I, I don't know what she's looking for, what she needs. I'm asking her why she does it. I don't know. She says she wants friends. You just moved. You know, you just um, started this new school. So you start, you have friends. Why are you always trying to build relationships online? So I don't know what to do. We tried counseling. That was like, she wasn't participating in. She said she doesn't need it. It was like nothing. There was no good outcome from counseling. So I don't know what else to do. Man. It... (sighs) There's so yes, much here. Um, yes. Yeah, it, th- there is, and then there's not. Okay. Sixteen mm-hmm. year olds are very smart, and they're very capable. Fifteen mm-hmm. um, year olds. I've been around some extremely mature fourteen year olds that are impressive, smart, fun, hilarious. Um, I was a high school coach, and I coached freshmen and sophomores, and they were awesome. I loved being around them. They're they're great. They made me laugh. And they're children. Uh-huh. They're children. And they don't have the emotional regulatory capacity in many cases to, to detach from the need to be seen, to be a attached from a need to be heard and or at least felt like they're heard to be seen as special so Mm -hmm. what is happening in your home that this is where she goes to get that stuff um so her father is not in her life okay um he's been well that's about what i need to know right there that's about what i need to know right there Okay, he's been in and out of her life. Um, he's been um, incarcerated. He's incarcerated now, so they talk here and there. Like when she wants to talk to him, she'll tell me, and I'll make a visit. But it's not often. So she needs. I, she again. I'm I'm making a lot of leaps here without talking to her and spending right. some time with her. Mm-hmm. But it, it's not a surprise to me that she is her sweet little fourteen, fifteen, sixteen year old brain mm-hmm. is wondering every single day. What was so bad about me that dad left? Mm. What did I do? And then somebody on an anonymous chat room says, I'll tell you that you're beautiful. Mm-hmm. I'll show up and tell you that you have value. Just take your shirt off. And once that switch gets flipped, now we're in a whole different ball game. Because there's a natural physiological arc to this that gets circumvented, which is why we keep adult predators away from kids. Mm-hmm. Because once the switch is flipped on, now you've got a whole different ball of wax dealing with kids who've been sexualized. Mm-hmm. And so asking, what are you doing? This is, this is primal. This is in her soul. Mm-hmm. I will find some man that will tell me that I've got value and that I'm beautiful and that I'm not worthless. Because the one guy that was supposed to be here left me. Mm-hmm. And she's going to spend a long, long time trying to bridge that gap. Okay? Mm-hmm. 
That's an oversimplified explanation. I'm sure there's more complexity to it in partridge in a pear tree. Here's the rub. None of that matters. What matters is, let's pretend there was like an arcade and you dropped your daughter off of this arcade with some regularity, just a cool place to hang out. And then she told you, hey, there's strange men hitting on me there. And they come and rub my shoulders and they want me to take my shirt off and they say nice things about me. It just feels ugh. And then you're like, well, I don't think I'm going to keep dropping you off there. And then she sneaks out. You find out she's sneaking out and she's going there and you go get her. When she turns 16 for her birthday, would you then just take her back and be like, all right, make good choices? No. no you would never let her go back. Mm-hmm. You'd call the cops. You, you would scorch earth. And for some reason, when it comes to the internet and computers, we think those are different things. And I would say they are different in that there's way more predators online than there are in real life. Uh And what I'll tell you is I've just been a part of too many investigations over the past 17, 18, 19 years working in colleges with high school and college kids that have, man, it just, it's got, I've got a rise in in me. Okay. Save your daughter Uh is what I'm telling you. She's begging you, save your daughter. Be Uh the adult that doesn't leave her. Okay. What does that mean? That means I'm going to the school and saying my kid will not participate in your laptop program because you all have not provided us any sort of safety mechanisms that keep kids from getting into chat rooms with adult sexual predators that keep them off the internet that outside of school stuff. And I don't know how to solve that. I don't work. I'm not a, a programmer. That's y'all's problem. Right. My math textbook didn't have a special portal that someone would sexually abuse me when I was a kid. Your child does. Mm -hmm. So as far as I'm concerned, you're going to give my kid alternative assignments until y'all figure out how to keep predators out of my home. Okay. You see what I'm saying? Yes. Mm -hmm. I reject it because they are failing you. And I would make it pretty direct. And like, here's some printouts of the chats of that my daughter's undergoing on your school device. Uh-huh. This also may mean that in your home, you have to get rid of the internet. And okay. God, that'd be annoying and uncomfortable and expensive and a, just frustrating all the time. You mean you got to go back to getting DVDs at the library? Yep. Uh-huh. But we're talking about your daughter. Of course. Uh-huh. And we're talking about two more years. And so many times I hear parents are like, I would do anything for my kid. I'd turn off the internet. I'm not going to take away their cell phone. Do, do anything. Uh-huh. Here's one more thing. Sending yeah. her to counseling uh-huh. ab- about her sexting is not the way to go about that. Okay. Taking her to counseling with you because you are looking to heal and become a stronger um, woman and a stronger mother after her mm-hmm. husband, after her father left y'all together mm-hmm. and you're learning some new skills, that's how you do that. Okay. Because if you take her somewhere and drop her off and say, something's wrong with you, they're going to fix it. <laughs> that's, that's the declaration of war for a 15, 16-year-old. Bring it then. Okay. Right? Mm-hmm. 
if it's, hey, I realized that dad screwed us both, left, and I um, I want to learn how to love you better. And so I'm not asking you are going to be a part of that. You can sit there in the room and not say anything, but you're going to be a part of it. Um, that's a whole different ballgame. And then you know what she gets to see? She gets to see mom cry. She gets to see mom be sad. She gets to see mom be confused. And then she doesn't feel so crazy anymore. Okay. But be the only adult in this young girl's life that will say, I'm not leaving you and I'm standing up. And dude, I absolutely know, Cynthia, that when you take away all this stuff and put her on an island, it is going to be, it's going to be hell on earth in your home. I know that. Okay. It's also going to be hell on earth when she comes home pregnant. It's going to be hell on earth Mm -hmm. when she comes home and says, mom, I've got fill in the blank with STIs. It's going to be hell on earth when she, when you get a call from a police department saying, hey, we found a bunch of nude photos of your daughter on some guy's computer. Uh-huh. You're just picking your hell on earth. And I'd rather pick the relational one. Right. Because there's light on the other side of that one. I, I have a quick question. So yeah. with her father being incarcerated, I feel like I would... I feel like, okay, that's her father still. They should have a relationship. But I just feel like it's just toxic because you pick and choose when you want to call your your children. Either like he's he going to be children. either he's going to be consistent uh-huh. or Are he you- is opting out of his daughter's life again. Okay. Right? Even if she, even if she asks to speak with him? She can let's write letters. Okay. 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 Um, I need some more guidance on that. I have a, a strong okay. bent and my, my opinion on that, it may not be the right thing. I'd want to talk to someone who's an expert in, in those type of relationships. Mm-hmm. What I do know sitting here is that inconsistency from adults to children makes children go crazy because they think they're the reason there's inconsistency. Right. Or when dad skips a skips a some sort of meeting or some sort of phone call or some sort of FaceTime, they assume, huh, must have been something else more important than me. Uh-huh. And the kid doesn't know that dad's in solitary or that they just did a lockdown and they took away all the privileges. Kid doesn't know that. Right. Um, so the kid just absorbs it all and blame, makes it their fault. And so letters can always be written. Uh-huh. There can always, and you can also hold a letter, right? You can touch it and you can read it again and you can read it again and you can read it again. But if dad's playing games, I'm not having that. Mm-hmm. That's how I feel. But then I get like, I get, you know, like torn. Well, I don't want the courts. Like, he's, is he going to take me to court and make this ugly? But I'm like, you probably wouldn't because he's, you listen, don't since fight he, for- he, he's made it ugly. Mm-hmm. You're, try, you're trying to polish a turd. It's a mess. There's not a way to make right. this not yeah. not ugly. Okay. Right? He left y'all. Mm-hmm. For whatever he did, he left right. you. High and dry. Mm-hmm. And if he wants to take you to court, then okay, I'll go to court then. Fine. Okay. Um, I right. think this is a conversation best had with your counselor that you're going to get okay. with you and your daughter. Okay? Okay. And letting her know this is mostly for you, but you she's coming along with you. Because your counselor is going to know you and know her and be able to say, hey, I think we need to stop the calls. Often in these moments, I do know this, time around the calls escalates behavioral issues with kids, especially teenagers. 
call time right after the call with dad, escalation. Time right before the call, escalation. Dad misses the call, escalation. I'm talking about dad in jail or dad who's divorced who just is kind of flaky. And so at some point, I'm not going to let this person who is their biological father, but they are, is not daddy. I'm not going to let this person continue to throw grenades inside my house. At some point, I'm the parent. I got to draw boundaries similar to this electronic mess. Okay. Moms and dads, you've heard me. If you're listening to the show for five seconds, you've heard me. And I'll say it again, and I'll say it again, and I'll say it again. At some point, we have to stand up in our local schools and stand up in our local communities and say enough is enough with the electronics. As a taxpayer, the pedagogical value is just dismal. The ROI on the amount of money we're spending in public schools and local schools, private schools, I don't care. Just to say, look what we have. Look what we have. Look what we have. When it comes to technological advancements. You can see the state of teacher. I Man, I can just go off. We got to stop. We have to stop. We have to stop. Somebody has to fight for their kids. Please let it be you. Please let it be you. We'll be right back. It seems like everybody's talking about how crazy the housing market is right now and how powerless homebuyers feel. Mix that with the stress of moving and life change and job change, and you've got a tornado of anxiety fueling one of the biggest purchases you'll ever make. This is not a good idea. So if you're a new home buyer right now, my advice to you is to focus on what you can control, like the people you choose to help you in the home buying process. You need folks like my friends at Churchill Mortgage. Churchill is a Ramsey trusted provider that's been helping people with their home mortgages for decades. And their home buyer edge program will help you skip a bunch of the stress. Here's how it works. Apply to become a Churchill certified home buyer and cap your interest rate for 90 days. Then you'll get a $5,000 seller guarantee to help your offer stand out. So go ahead, take a deep breath because Churchill has your back. Check them out at churchillmortgage.com slash Deloney and get the home buyer edge today. All right, we're back. Let's go to Lynn in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. What's up, Lynn? Uh, not much. How about yourself? I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. Good. So what's up, lady? How can I help? Um, okay, so um, I'll just give a little backstory first. So my daughter was born in January of this past year, so she's seven months. Um, when she was born, they noticed she had a lot of fluid buildup in her um kind of below her knee and her feet um, and her labia a little bit as well. Um, so at first they thought maybe it's just because she was cramped um, in the birthing position for so long, but then it didn't go away. So we met with a geneticist and they um, decided to do two different genetic tests on her. Anyway, those both came back negative. So they decided to do a whole exome sequencing on my daughter, myself and my husband. And then, um, in June, the results came in and that we found out that she has Milroy's disease. So oh. it's a really, yeah, I know. So it's a really rare um, medical condition. Mm-hmm. They, the genetic doctor we have um, been seeing told us that there's less than 200 cases or excuse me, 300 cases like 
in medical literature. It's just so rare. Yeah. But um, the biggest thing that comes with that is just lymphedema. Right. How, how is her um, lymphedema? Is it is she draining well or is she starting to have sores on her feet? How is, how is it? Uh, um, you know, it's really well managed. We have a really good it? lymphedema therapist. Good. Um, she's born in a really great hospital. Um, they caught it right away. So, yeah, she's been doing compression since she was yep. born. We've um, we actually have been to the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia. I mean, we've been a lot of good places, so it's under very well. Okay. Like it's being managed very well. And she doesn't. So ha- it, she doesn't develop sores on her feet or anything yet. Um, not any current ones. We've okay. dealt with that a little bit. As of now, it's been all good. Okay. Um, she cool. just had her first round of cellulitis. Yeah. Um, but that's over with now. But that's kind yeah. of the biggest risk factor with lymphedema is the cellulitis. But um, what about yeah, mobility? So um, her is mobility she, is really good. Really good. Yeah, she's scooting she around. A, yeah, she's a stinker. She's standing on stuff. I mean, her good. mobility, but yeah, like I said, we've been working with a really good lymphedema therapist and cool. a physical therapist, and they've Great. been watching that the whole way. So yeah, she's right on track of where she should be. So Cool. All right, so how can I yeah. help? By the way, everybody listen, yeah. Mil- Miller's disease is very, very, like she said, very, very rare. Um, just a dysfunction of the lymphatic system. And I don't know enough about it to talk with any sort of eloquence about it, but um, we have fluids, drainage systems in our bodies that things get expelled um, via urine, through our bowels. Like they, It's just part of our system. And um, this very rare disease, it, you, can get, you can get over-enlarged feet, legs. Sometimes it's one leg. Sometimes it's both feet. Which is, what, what is, does she have it in both feet? Yeah, Lynn, she has okay. it in both feet, okay. both legs, and then um, it's in her hands um, and arms slightly as well. Mm, Not okay. to the point yet where she has to wear compression garments, but yeah, mainly in okay. both her legs. And then her right leg is actually a little bit worse than her left. Okay. So, okay. Yep. All right. Okay. So yeah. you are here. How can I help? Yep. So yeah, my question is, um, and it's, I'm trying to make it as much as one question as possible, but there's kind of a couple little parts to it. So okay. how do we teach her how important it is as she gets older to um, basically self-manage um, her lymphedema and how do we best like just really imprint it on her heart that she's just so beautiful. And then as my, as her mom, um, I am the carrier of it. I have the disease as well. I have no symptoms, which yeah, 10 to 15% of people that have it have no symptoms. I have no symptoms. How do I deal with the guilt mm. um, of, yeah, giving that to her? All, let me, I'm writing myself a note here. Um, um, all of this starts with that. Okay. You have to be very direct with yourself. Are you, st- are you married? Yes. Yep. Okay. Um, you like who you're married to? He's a good guy. Yeah. <laughs> All right. He's good. He's okay. He's he's the positive. I'm the worrier. So okay. you have to be very direct with yourself and with him and your adult community about dealing with your guilt. Okay. Okay. You know as much as I do that you didn't cause this. You didn't do this, and it was a wild genetic throwing a dart in the dark and it hit the bullseye, right? Mm-hmm. And so um, 
if your daughter sees you wince when you look at her, she'll internalize that. If your daughter sees you cry or to somehow harbor guilt, this is my fault, I can't believe I did this, um, children will make that disconnection their fault and she'll try to solve it in a million different ways. So the greatest gift out of the gate you can give this little girl is to make peace with yourself and make peace with your body. And I also know that's a tall order, okay? I'm not okay. saying that's easy. Um, mm -hmm. It's a similar conversation I have to people who accidentally hit their kid with a car or who hurt their child or accidentally drop, you know, whatever the thing happens to be, it's making, uh, making peace, not making it go away, not, but making peace. This happened. Okay. And I have okay. permission to be sad. I'm going to do that with my counselor. I'm going to do that with my husband. I'm going to do that with my friends. And then I'm going to be in this moment and then I'm going to go about being the best freaking mom who's ever lived, which I'm pretty sure you are. Cool? Yep. yep. Okay. So step number one, we're going to deal with our anxiousness and we're going to deal with our guilt. She is not going to do this because that's not her job, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. So when it comes to teach a kid self-advocacy, how to stand up for yourself, how to do your things, here's where these get hard. I've been working with students, with young people with special needs for most of my professional career. Here's where this is challenging is, A, there's just a convenience. It would just be so much faster if I would put your compression socks for you on for you so we can get to this stupid restaurant. And what we do over time is we start to deny our kids, whether they have special needs or exceptionalities or they're just a regular old square in the middle of the bell curve kid. We rob them of struggle. And when we rob kids of struggle, we rob them of growth and development and resilience. So it's stealing from our kids. For a kid with Milroy's disease, it's going to be harder. It just is because if she has to put on compression gloves and compression socks every morning, gosh, I think just getting my kid to find socks makes me want to set my hair on fire sometimes. <laughs> and then it'll, I, I, I was cleaning the garage. I don't mean random socks I found. I mean, so just kid with sock <laughs> issues, right? Yeah. And yours is going to be challenging. Mm -hmm. And so your plan now is, it's going to take us 50 minutes to get ready to go to church or to get ready to go to the, out to eat when it would normally would have taken us 10 minutes, 15 minutes. It's going to take some time. But I'm not mm -hmm. going to rob my child of that struggle and they're going to learn self-advocacy. Another thing in a restaurant, when they bring our food, I don't say thank you for the whole table. My kids say thank you for their individual plates. I'm teaching them they have a role to play in gratitude. That also, so similarly, if your child needs something, needs a wheelchair, and not when they're six, by the way, but when they're 10, when they're 12, when they're 14, and you're at the airport, you can take her up to the counter holding her hand and say, tell this gentleman what you need. And she will say, I need a, someone to push me from here to the gate, please. And, and they will bend down and look her in the eye and say, I got you. And she will learn the beauty of mom's right here with me. And 
I just spoke my needs and this awesome guy is going to make it happen for me. See what I'm saying? Yeah. It'd be yep, that makes sense. so much easier for you just to leave her with dad. You run up there and grab, say, hey, my kid needs a wheelchair in the bed. Gotcha. So much easier. So that yep. means we're going to have to go to the airport 30 minutes early. Right? See what I'm saying? Yeah. So yep. just, we're going to slowly yep. incorporate her into her own life. Right? Yeah. And that brings me to this. It's going to sound counterintuitive, okay? Okay. We're going to be very direct about what she has. Might even show her that your leg is different than her legs. Mm-hmm. That she's got exceptionalities. We're going to call it out and we're not going to hide it. Okay? Because kids yep. feel when we hide things. And then they feel even more of a big, giant red light bulb in their life than they already do. We're going to focus on what we're going to do, not what we can't do. And man, um, we're going to have hard seasons and low times and good seasons and good times. And we're going to make the best childhood we can moving forward. Yeah. So so I just made it so easy, right? Go, go, (laughs) go get them. I'm just like, I'm just taking it all. Um, yeah. And kind of, um, yeah, I guess, yeah, another thing that I just kind of worry about a little bit is, you know, like, you know, she'll never be able to get a pedicure. Not worry mm-hmm. about that, but, you know, she'll never be able to get a pedicure. She'll probably never be able to wear flip-flops. And, mm-hmm. you know, when she wears shorts, you know, I'm sure she's going to want to. It's You know, it gets warm. I just don't want her to feel like the odd one out because she's got these big, you know, compression yeah. garments. I just never want her to feel like she's not perfect you know the way she is you know and i don't there's a couple things here don't ever make her carry your baggage yeah here's what i mean by that my kid is growing up in a world where there's an african-american president my kid's growing up in a world where social issues are different where there's not a table at his school that just has people who listen to country music at it and then another one that listens to hip-hop and another one that listens to heavy metal, like my high school did, right? Mm-hmm. And so when I ask him, where do you sit? And he's like, I don't know, I just sit around. My head instantly goes to panic. If you're not at the right table, dude, things go sideways for you. He has a different world. That's not his experience. And so you have understanding of what it's like to put on shorts. And not have people look at you. She won't have Mm -hmm. that. That will be her whole world. Will be her legs. Yeah. Right? And so, yeah, yeah, she's going to know that. And we're going to call it out. We're going to call it out. Let's put on some shorts and um, put on your special socks. And then we're going to go about our day. And if people look and ask, you can say, with her chin held up, I've got Milroy's. This means my body doesn't drain fluid good. You want to go play? Yeah. You see what I'm saying? And all the other stuff doesn't come. Now, make no mistake. Middle school will be hell. High school will be tough, right? We know that. Yeah. We know that. And we can preventatively mourn that and slip into this low-level dysthymia, this low-level depression that just runs our life. Or we can just go reckless with joy and good times and figuring this thing out as we go and deal with the heavy when it gets heavy. Yeah, you know that makes I mean? sense. And I, yeah, I totally agree. Yeah. 
She's going yeah. to feel beautiful if you treat her beautifully. Yeah. She is going to feel odd and scary if you flinch when you hold her. Yeah, which, yeah, that's not how it is now. I, you know, like we love her and mm-hmm. I just, yeah, I don't, yeah. Oh, I just hey, wanna, middle school's going to be awful. You know, middle school's going to, yeah. people are going to ask her, but then she's going to find her gang, right? She's going to fall right. in with her people and they're going to do their thing. And then there's probably going to be some people who are hyper protective of her. I had a couple of friends like that, but I was hyper. I still am hyper protective of them, mm-hmm. right? And they're because they're in my gang. They're in my. They're on my yep. team, right? And she'll find yep. that. But so it's going to be both and. And by yep. then you will have she. She will have five, ten, twelve years of advocacy, of pulling on her own socks, even though it takes forever, of having hard conversations, of asking for support when she needs it. Mm-hmm. And she's going to be able to just, to she's going to, it'll hurt, but she's going to be able to move past that nonsense. See what I'm saying? Yeah. Yes, yes. Maybe move past it later on. Being 12 is just as hard being 12, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, but we're not going to hide our, our, our daughter. She's beautiful. Yeah. We're not going to hide her. And we're not going to pre-grieve things that haven't come yet. We're going to live our life as, as we are. And there's also, my guess is, some pretty extraordinary medical advancements that are on the way, right? Yeah, yeah. Even from 20 years ago, it sounds like there's a lot of, you know, you know new things and good things. So. Absolutely. So let's keep our heads up. And when we get sad, we're going to go to adults with that sadness. And we're not going to... We're not going to throw things that our kids have to carry for us. And mm-hmm. we're going to be honest and not hide anything. This is what this is. You are just shorter than the other kids. Um, you, you suffer from Milroy's. You're not going to be able to wear flip-flops. What would flip-flops be like? They're fine, but you can't run in them. <laughs> yeah. And plus, uh, I, I've never got a pedicure, Lynn, and my life's relatively fine. I would feel sorry for my getting a pedicure for me would be like dumb and dumber. It would not be pleasant for anybody doing my pedicure. But, yeah. um, I know that's something dumb, but no, no, no. Know, but but but, it, but it's an experience that mom wants to have with it, with her daughter. Yeah. Okay. I mean, this brings me to the yeah. last thing I'm gonna tell you. Then I'm gonna let you go. Okay. Okay. When you found out you were pregnant, the picture machine started. Mm-hmm. And when you found out you were having a little girl. You started thinking about what it's going to be like when she brings some idiot home from college. You started thinking about what Thanksgiving was going to be like. You thought about the wedding. You thought about all that stuff because you're normal and you love your kid. Mm-hmm. And then she was born and then there was some challenges and there was a testing and more testing and more doctor visits and more testing. And then they sat you down and said, hey, actually, there's this genetic thing. And all of those pictures have blown up. But what most of us do is we go about our day comparing our reality with those pictures that we made up before we even had all the details. Mm-hmm. And it's that energy expenditure that wears us out. And so the energy yeah. is must, much better spent moving forward. Yeah, I had a picture, man, of what this is going to look like. Not going to happen. It's going to be different. Like mother, yeah. do- I'm going to take her to get pedicures every Saturday. Honey, you got to make way yeah. more money because we're doing this to get, it's not going to happen. So what is going to happen? That becomes, oh man, every Sunday we're going to the beach. We're going to the water. We're going swimming. We're going to whatever the thing is. 
the mother-daughter time will still be, right? So you see what I'm saying? It's just adjusting that picture. Yes. And it's so hard. Mm-hmm. I would recommend writing a letter to that old picture. Here's what I thought was going to happen. You may even start a journal that she's going to be able to read someday. But things get heavy and she'll know just how much mom loved her. But I can do that. But writing something down that says, I had this picture. I thought we were going to get a bunch of uh, pedicures together. I thought we were, I just had pictures of us running in the beach and our flip flops and having cute toes. And I don't know. I just said the word cute toes. And so my brain malfunctioned a bit. But I had this thing and it's not going to happen. So now what? Now what? Most of us spend so much energy. Myself included, Lynn, going back and trying to edit sentences that have already been written. They've got exclamation points or periods at the end of them. They're over. And I keep going back. I wish I hadn't have said that. I wish I hadn't have done that. I wish this could be different. I wish my kids could. I wish me and my wife could. They're over. It's over. The only thing I can affect is what's going to happen moving forward. I thought this was going to be that way. It's not. So now it's going to be like this. And the one thing in the world I can choose that I get to own is that gap between what is reality and what could be. I get to choose what going forward looks like. And you can too. We'll be right back. Hey, what's up? Deloney here. Listen, you and me and everybody else on the planet has felt anxious or burned out or chronically stressed at some point. In my new book, Building a Non-Anxious Life, you'll learn the six daily choices that you can make to get rid of your anxious feelings and be able to better respond to whatever life throws at you so you can build a more peaceful, non-anxious life. Get your copy today at johndeloney.com. All right, as we wrap up today's show, thanks for being with us. I don't know much about this band. Is this why you have a big dragon tattoo on the back of your neck? Imagine Dragons? I imagine Dragons. The we felt called- like the song fit the email we discussed earlier. Oh, yeah, because I'm a demon working for a Satanist. The song's called Demons, and it goes like this. When the days are cold and the cards all fold and the saints we see are all made of gold, when your dreams all fall and the ones we hail, oh, your dreams all fail and the ones we hail are the worst of all and the bloods run stale. I want to hide the truth. I want to shelter you, but the beast inside, there's nowhere to hide. What is this song? Don't want to let you down. (laughs) Demons. We'll see you soon.